fast you were going back there? Yeah, about uh, 150, 160 miles an hour. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds about right. Ever since I was a lad, I've been interested in things that go fast. Aren't you scared you'll kill yourself if you crash? No. Hello and welcome to the NZ of Film. Season 2, Episode 6. I'm your co-host, Rajiv Mishra. And I'm your other co-host, Andy James. And today we're talking about Roger Dolson's The World's Fastest Indian. So let's get to it. This is the N to Z of film. With Andy and Rajiv. And we're back. Okay, so, uh, World's Fastest Indian, uh, Roger Donaldson's 2000 and, oh, I'm already tripping up, six. Uh, it um, came out in 2005 in New Zealand. 2005, that sounds about right. Um, film about an old New Zealand man played by Sir Anthony Hopkins who wants to race a really, really fast motorbike um, uh, on the Salt Flats in Utah. This is the Andy synopsis. <laughs> That's true. It's a movie about an old New Zealand man. It's, it's yes. enticing. <laughs> um, yeah, it was Who a, doesn't want to watch a film about an old man? An old man. From uh, Invercargill. From Invercargill, New Zealand's southernmost town. Uh, Anthony Hopkins' character is called, what did he say? The, the southernmost city in uh, Her Majesty's Empire. Um, so this was uh, released in October of 2005, uh, released in 2006 in a lot of other places in the world, so that's why Andy might yeah, have been confused. Yeah, because at the time, I missed it in the theatres, because at the time I was living in the UK. Right, right, right. So I remember it coming out at the cinema I was working at, but I missed it. I think it probably didn't, maybe it didn't play long, and I was travelling or something, I'm not sure. But in any case, I did miss it, so I saw it for the first time last night. I, oh yeah, this is the first time you've ever seen it? Yeah. Oh, interesting. Um, I suspect it probably didn't play that long uh, at a theatre in York because uh, it is a movie about an old man from Invercargill. Um, yeah, uh, played by Sir Anthony Hopkins. Sir Anthony Hopkins, who I imagine would have been popular in England. Um, it has a budget of $25 million um, and mm. a worldwide gross of $18 million, so I'm guessing it made lost money. Even though it is New Zealand's, uh, at the time of release, was New Zealand's highest grossing film at the box office. Um, surpassing Once a Warriors, uh, and it held that wow. position until uh, Taika Waititi's Boy surpassed it. It's now it also later. been surpassed by Taika Waititi's Hunt for the Wilder people. people. So Taika Waititi, which I also managed to see just the other week, but at the cinema. Woohoo! Yay! So I'm very happy about that. In the Cayman Islands, amazing. Uh, um, no, in New York. All oh, right, you've been to New York. I hate you so much. Um, yeah. Uh, the movie still hey, has... tying just I'm just tying the Yorks in. <laughs> so we're talking about old York and, and this new old York. movie, and I was in New York watching this new movie. It's just a way for you to show off the fact that you are jet-setting in America. Um, oh, yeah, totally. Totally jet-setting around. <laughs> um, uh, still holds a 82% uh, percentage on Rotten Tomatoes, which is you know what they call fresh red tomato stuff. Not that we care about any of that stuff, but... That's the statistic stuff out of the way. Um, I'd also like to apologise. I seem to have um, some sort of sinus and throat issue, so if you can hear weird sounds in my mouth, that's a lozenge, and my voice is croaky, so sorry about that. Cool. All right. Uh, Good film. Uh, yeah. What about it? So, um, sorry. Um, uh, Roger Donaldson, uh, one of my favourite New Zealand filmmakers, uh, is the director. 
And we've talked about him in the past. We talked about his two previous films in season one, um, Smash Palace, which is the last New Zealand film he made, a very adult uh, relationship drama, and The Bounty, which was a movie about people on a boat on the sea. Um... (laughs) (laughs) That's about as good as my old man (laughs) wanting to go very fast synopsis. So... Uh... Yeah, which which did start Anthony Sir Anthony Hopkins, and I have a quote here from uh, Roger Donaldson himself. Uh, it is no secret that Anthony and I were ready to kill each other uh, during the filming of the Bounty, so they did not get on well. I think Anthony Hopkins was expecting it to be a David Lean film with immaculate direction and lots of takes, and I think Roger Donaldson came from his documentary background and sort of was quite young and shook it up, and I think they clashed quite a lot on set. Their styles differed dramatically. Um, obviously. They managed to, uh, in the twenty odd years between those films, that one and uh, and the World's Fast Indian, they managed to heal the rift because uh, Anthony Hopkins come back and and I think it's given a pretty great performance. Uh, well, on that, what did you think of his New Zealand accent? I don't know. It's it's weird. Like when I was younger, uh, I used to be like I used to find it hilarious that Mum and Dad uh, could not tell the difference between. New Zealand, American, and UK accents, like they'd be constantly asking me, you know, me being a film nerd, oh, where's this film made? I'm be watching it going, well, these are Americans in this film. This is an American film. Uh, huh. but the, that, I think, okay, yeah. Wow, that's, okay. It's weird. But the older I get, now I'm like, oh, shit, I'm not very good. I'm getting worse at it. It's weird, because I used to be, <laughs> I used to be like, oh, yeah, I can do, I can do Arnold's accent, I can do Stallone's accent, I can, I understand, like, Irish accent. Maybe I was just shit, but I thought I was good. But, you know, watching this, I'm like, it's fine. And then other people are like, it's terrible. And then I actually talk, I actually read an interview with, uh, I can't remember who it was, but he's from Southland. He was like, it's a good accent. And then there are people online that are like saying it's a terrible accent. So I don't know anymore. I think no, it's fine. It's, I, I think it worked. <laughs> uh, possibly it worked better when he was surrounded by Americans. Right, right. I think, uh, it's, part, I think it's probably also, uh, so Sir Anthony is Welsh. Um so there was a little bit of that Welsh accent that kind of, I think, snuck through just in one or two places. Um, and he's got the hard rolling R's. That's a Southland, New Zealand that, Southland. That is, that is actually typical of Southland in New Zealand. And that's something I never noticed until I was overseas. I always thought New Zealand accent was a New Zealand accent was a New Zealand accent. It wasn't until I was a, in a pub in Edinburgh, I think, talking to a guy from Auckland and a guy from Dunedin that I noticed that we actually have variation of accents in New Zealand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. By like regional. But you So I think he's 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 got it it's it's probably a very good southern New Zealand accent, but I don't know that the Kiwi actors surrounding him they're not doing a southern New Zealand accent. Yeah, They're just doing a regular New Zealand accent, regular New Zealand accent. <laughs> regular. Um, it's a difficult one to gauge. I mean, you, I, anyone that's listening from overseas probably doesn't get this, but you know, there's a very typical uh, Kiwi accent that we all sort of quite make fun of. Sort of the Kiwi accent. Uh, the Kiwi accent, and you know, you you come you come across it every oh, now. My and name then. is Bert Monroe. <laughs> yeah. I'm here to race my motorbike. Yeah, and you come across it every now and then. You're like, oh right, that's very regional. And I guess you can be a little bit elitist. Like I'm all like, Ugh, so it's so regional. They've got such a regional New Zealand accent. <laughs> but you know, I don't know. What, 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 I don't even know what my <laughs> accent is. I, when I was younger, I guess because I'm Indian, I I used to roll my R's quite a lot. Um, and I don't know whether that was because of being an in or because I watched a lot of American TV. And I remember people telling me I had a, weir- a weirdly American accent. Uh, I clearly do, I do not have that. an American accent. But, you know, 
who knows the, the the weird alchemy of accent is a is a strange thing. We we Accent's had a, a weird. We had a friend actually, um, Ralph McCubbin Howell, who's an amazing actor, uh, and he was the voice of the Morpork. Andrew Andrew wrote a series for uh, Radio NZ, uh, and his character was voiced by before it was voiced by the amazing Hayden J. Wheel. Was voiced by an actor called Ralph McCubbin Howell, who uh, my wife did uh, costume designs for him and his uh, his his lady um, for a couple of shows they did. He were, he went off to Bristol in England on a scholarship, and uh, he told me a great story about how he got into an, an argument with uh, one of the acting tutors there about accents and how she was all like, "Oh, it's a neutral accent. There, there, there's an accent. That's not an accent." And he was like, "Well, this, that doesn't make any sense. There's there is no such thing as a neutral accent. Everyone has an accent, right? <laughs> Otherwise, you'd be a robot." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I, uh, maybe the teacher like because there is that uh, the flat non-regional American accent. Yeah, yeah. Which we typically, like, the typical American accent sort of thing. Um, which you have actors like Carl Urban and such learning, but... Um, well, yeah, that's the... I don't know. Accents are weird. That's, that's the generic American accent, because no one, no one in America actually has that accent, but it's it's close enough to be generic. Or mid-Atlantic, where it's like the weird British-English accent, but... Anyway, uh, accents are a weird alchemy of things, and I, I was worried that you were going to ask me about that. And my answer is, I'm not very good with that anymore, so I don't know. It sounded fine it to me. It was fine. <laughs> yes. That was a long tangent on accents. It's good. Um, so Roger Dawson also wrote the screenplay, which I thought was interesting. I, I don't know whether he's written too many things in the past. Uh, I think he might have written um, uh, Smash uh, Sleeping Dogs. He didn't write Smash Palace, though. So so that was interesting. So it's clearly um, a, a, a film that he's been trying to get made for a long time. Uh and uh, he made a 1971 documentary called uh, Offerings to the God of Speed, uh, which was about Burt Monroe himself, and he interviewed uh, him. Oh, yes. Yeah. I vaguely remember that, but I've never seen it. But yes, yes, I remember. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah, so he, he followed him to Bonneville and stuff and interviewed all these people in his life, and it was a very interesting documentary. And, and apparently this was the, the film... Um, Smash Palace, which ended up being his last New Zealand film before he went off to Hollywood, uh, he wanted to make this film, The World's Fast Indian, at that point. And that was back in 1981. So he was trying to get this off the ground back in the 80s. So he had this, he's had the script kicking around for ages, so I'm glad he finally got around to making it after going off to Hollywood and doing his thing. Because um, I had a good time with it, just straight up, I enjoyed it. Um, I have a, a friend, uh, Elena Bell, who, said, who describes it as a very friendly film. I watched it with... Uh, a group of mates last night, uh, Dan, Nick, and um, Kristen, um, and uh, we all, I think the word that was used a lot during last night's screening was the word charming. It's fun and charming. Mm. Uh, yeah, it's it's good and nice and charming. It's like um, a nice, cosy cardigan. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. Um, you know, I'd... it's it was very interesting, especially, like, I couldn't help but think of the Roger Donaldson who had made... Sleeping Dogs and Smash Palace, which are kind of intense, angry, yeah. tense, yeah. Um, and then making this, I, I, God, I can't even imagine what this would have looked like in 1981 <laughs> by a young Roger Donaldson. <laughs> it, it is. It's there's almost no drama, and that's not a knock against the film or anything like that. It's just there's no, there's not really a big conflict or anything it's just this is the there's this charming old eccentric um bloke from new zealand 
sort of fuddy-duddying his way across the States. <laughs> Not fuddy-duddying, but, you know, kind of... Yeah, no, I know what you mean. Yeah. Oops! Wheels fallen off. Bugger! Oh, what am I going to do now? Here comes a friendly Indian bloke to... Help me. To help. And give me um, dog's bollocks to drink. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just, there's no... You know he's going to get there. And when he does get there, that's when it seems like, oh, he's not going to be able to race. But you know he's going to be able to. And even, like, the bureaucratic race officials, um, like, they come around pretty quick. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, uh, I, I, I mean, I don't, I don't have... Which, and again, I'm, it, this is not a knock on the film. It's very, like, it is very just kind of joyous to watch. Yeah, yeah, and and it's weird because you you know not a knock on the film because I've written down some some criticisms of it, but it's just like all the things that I had issue with. I'm like, well, it's okay, it's fun, you know. Like it's just like that weird thing where I'm just like, I don't know what it is. There's something about the filmmaking. It's so assured. It's charming that all the stuff that's convenient. I guess if I if for whatever reason you weren't put under its spell by the good-natured performance of Anthony Hopkins and all the people surrounding him, if for whatever reason you just you have a soul that's filled with darkness and you can't get past that, <laughs> <laughs> then I would say all the things that are that are issues with the film you would you would have a problem with, like uh, the fact that uh, there isn't any real conflict in the film. You know, there's, there's you know conflict is drama. That, it's weird. Like I, you know, you have all these it's, rules it's, about what makes a good story. I'm like, I conflict. But there is there's no conflict in this film there's yet. None. I think there's it is none. a good story still, right? Yeah, there's like even I'm thinking. <laughs> so he loses he loses his a wheel on his makeshift trailer for his bike in the middle of nowhere America. So absolutely no one around for hundreds and hundreds of miles. Yeah, which they can't. Is which is kind of oh oh this is a bit bit of a ooh you might be a bit stuck. Yeah 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 yeah, which kind of lasts for all of about a minute before yeah. he's been been met by a, a friendly passerby. Yeah, yeah, I'm just trying I was trying to think of like in the classic three act structure which we all hate. Uh what is the lowest point for him? And there isn't one, right? He has a lot of points where I'm like, "Oh, I don't have money to go over. Oh shit, my my motorcycle's been damaged. Oh crap, I've broken down in the desert." But there's no point where it's like, "Oh, Oh, he's finished Everything now. seems lost. <laughs> <Yeah>. No. <laughs> no, even when they say you can't race because you haven't registered, um, that doesn't seem to be a low... He doesn't seem to be entirely low, lowered by that. Yeah, and it, the reason... Yeah, it's interesting because you'd go, oh, that's a terrible... But, but you're also like, well, he's come all the way from New Zealand. Like, they're not going to turn him away, right? Because that would be just the ultimate dick move. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think maybe maybe if this was a, a a a big tension filled movie, maybe he would he would be turned away and he'd have to come back or something. I don't know, but you just know you're like, be, I think I don't know. yeah. Even also, um, the big <laughs> birthday bash that he has back in Invercargill to help him raise money. Yeah, yeah. And that very um, sort of friendly looking bike again. <laughs> the Antarctic like Angel. The least. The <laughs> The Antarctic the least threatening biker gang ever seen on film. Yeah, play, but the lead player by the uh, New Zealand actor Craig Hall, who's, who's who's doing a great job. I just want to make mention of the fact that our friend Benjamin Frencham, I remember him telling me that he was shortlisted for that role. So, 
Ah. There's a connection to this film, a personal connection to this film. Oh, good. Good. <laughs> but yeah, so they turn up and cause a bit of a ruckus at his birthday bash. And he races them and loses because his bike can't turn worth a damn. He doesn't. So, he doesn't. Dang, he's, he's, he's lost a bit of money or something, I guess. But then $100. he manages to get the money anyway. And then when he's on the way to the boat to go to America, the least threatening biker gang ever turns up again and give him a bit of cash for beer money. Because this is a nice film. <laughs> yeah. <That's> the, like, <laughs> and it's weird because, in, in, I don't know, usually I'd be like, that's, in, that's terribly convenient and stupid storytelling, but for some reason, it's fine. It's nice. And I, yeah. Is that just because really I'm old? What is it? Like, I don't understand what, why this makes no, me I think feel it's just it's just a fine and nice film. Yeah. Um, that, <laughs> that least... Uh, threatening Bucky and the Antarctic Angels do turn up to uh, his birthday bash, uh, in which uh, the current mayor of Cargill, um, Tim Shadwell. <laughs> ah, <laughs> uh, smiling Tim Shadwell. Our listeners who don't know, Tim Shadwell is a little bit of a, a celebrity in New Zealand uh, for being gregarious and sort of fun-loving. And he's the guy that instituted the zero fees for studying at the university down there, right? Anyway, um, my dad went to university with Tim Shadwell, so he knows it quite well. But but um, they do the the Bucky gang turn up. And uh, and race him on the beach and challenge him with his race. He loses because he crashes. But uh, I'd be hard pressed to find anyone in the audience that was watching that race at the beach to go, oh yeah, he did a real shit job. He like zooms oh, past them, like thrashed them. It's just because yeah. yeah, his bike couldn't turn. Yeah, and, and then like when he's going back to the car and he's like getting into the car with his lady, they're they're all like, oh, better luck next time, Bert. I would I would be going, well, that was fucking amazing, like. It was like, you know, none of us... He were... does, and he, like, oh man, the photography when he goes fast. He goes fast. Yeah, it's awesome. Really looks like he's going really bloody fast, which is great. Yeah, uh, the cinematography, um, a guy called David Gribble, he's an Australian cinematographer. Uh, I think this is top notch. Um, he hasn't worked on huge things. Uh, the most notable films I could see in his, uh, his filmography is uh, The Quest with Jean-Claude Van Damme. Uh, oh. Cadillac Man, which is also a uh, Roger Donaldson film, and uh, The Crooked Earth, another New Zealand film directed by Sam Pillsbury. Um, but there's some shots in the film that are uh, direct recreations uh, from Roger Donaldson's documentary, uh, which I think Roger oh, Donaldson shot. Oh, that's interesting. Himself. Yeah, like the shot where Anthony Hopkins is putting his goggles on, and also the shot like from below the bike where he's racing along. Uh, that's sort of like a tracking shot from a low angle that's also in the documentary um, but they're great shots and there's there's the one shot of Anthony Hopkins uh, waking up from a dream where he's in the middle of the salt flats and the camera like tracks in oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. crazy fast into his face like there's some really cool shots in this movie and I was like just wanted to make note of that so David Gribble if you're listening good work <laughs> uh, <You did. laughs> good, good work very nice yeah very nice um, I just wanted to we talked about some of the actors so I thought I'd just make mention of a few of the other actors uh, Bruce Greenwood uh, who you may remember yeah he, yeah. <laughs> what the hell so when he gets to the salt flats it's like oh I know that actor I know that actor I know that actor I know that actor and all doing these weird little bit parts almost it's because of Roger Donaldson's career in Hollywood and he's, he's obviously picked up a few actors that are of note and been like well you can be in my movie uh, so yeah so, right, so so uh, Bruce Greenwood was in 13 Days, and he's like one of the mechanic slash officials that are inspecting uh, Bert Monroe's bike. Inspecting his bike, yep. Uh, at first I didn't recognise him. I was like, oh, is that? Nah. And then it, it totally is. It doesn't <laughs> quite look like him <laughs> yeah, with, yeah. The, with the crazy hat and everything on. Yeah. Um, but then, of course, uh, Boyd Crowder, a.k.a. Walter Goggins. 
Walton Goggins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Walton Goggins. I don't know what he has been in the Roger Dawson's, but he is. Uh, he has such a unique face that you could never. He'll oh, never yeah. disappear into a crowd ever. That guy. Like, <laughs> you know, like. Um, and it's interesting because usually, usually I've seen him playing um, very sinister and sort of bad, bad dudes in films. In this film, he's kind of like a. A dopey. I don't actually know what his role is. The guy Roly Free comes along. That's like this big fat rich dude that ends up sponsoring uh, Burt Monroe. But his uh, his lapdog is Walton Goggins. I'm not sure what he does. He's just kind of I don't know there and hanging out and <laughs> helping out and being all like hey hey and being all like hey I'm Walton Goggins. What's up? <laughs> um, Love it. Uh, Diane Laird plays the um, the woman that he ends up sleeping with on, on the road. Uh, she plays Ada. Uh, she's from. Uh, she played Ida Sessions in the Great uh, Chinatown. So it's it's got some pretty interesting actors in it. Um, and Anthony Starr at the very beginning. Uh, yes. A very small role playing a character called Jeff. Uh, that my friends were like, "Hey, is that that guy from uh, New Zealand's Outrageous Fortune?" It's a great TV series we have here. Uh, any or Banshee. Ex- international listeners would know him as the the main guy from Banshee. That's right. <laughs> Uh, who's an amazing actor, and obviously this is 2005. This is before he he um, erupted onto the scene. So, so some pretty good some pretty yeah. good uh, actors in there. Little bit parts, nice stuff. Uh, yeah, I, I, I honestly don't know how much I have to say about it because uh, it's just <laughs> it's just nice. It's, it's just nice. Uh, there's there's a few there's a few things that I wanted to mention about um, about the story. Um, so. Uh, I mean, this this is nothing against the film. These are, these are these are what I've labelled in my notes as criticisms, but they're not really criticisms. Um, gentle criticisms. Gentle criticisms. Uh, the the one of the one of the most interesting thing, um, which I I found out after watching the film way back in the day and and reading, I was end up reading on like NZ on screen and, and various other things on online Wikipedia. Um, uh, Bert Monroe, uh, in his travels to the USA, uh, actually ran across a. It's either Area 54 or some other Air Force base that was very secret uh, and got detained by uh, U.S. secret... Uh, by U.S. Uh, service personnel uh, and questioned <laughs> the, what he was doing. Oh, my God. He parked his car and was watching uh, secret uh, planes land <laughs> and take off. This, that should have 100% been in the film. Not in the film. I was very disappointed by that. The, you know, the thing... That sh- oh, man. The thing- yeah, he should have stumbled across Area 51. Yeah, 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 yeah. Aliens. And he's like, sorry, I'm just trying to get through the salt flats. Oh, New Zealand. Because that thing about the... When he's at customs and the dude's all like, oh, yeah, yeah, I saw your bike in Popular Mechanics. That's from when he was detained by the US Air Force. And he was, oh, shit. I was like, I don't, I don't know why that didn't get put in the film. I was like, that would have been a good story. So that was a true life story they didn't make into the movie. I was disappointed by that. Um, I guess that kind of there would have been one stop too many on his way to the salt flats. Yeah, perhaps. I think. Um, and also, it's it's also the yeah you know, one stop too many. I mean, the real story is I guess a little bit less exciting because he he did like make, he made like six trips. So this is like a mm. this film is like a, a weird amalgam of all the various different trips he did, um, and the uh, the Wikipedia entry uh, about his various trips is, is poorly written. I don't know who's written it. Someone needs to rewrite it because I don't quite understand it. But I will read out the facts I learned from there and see if you can decipher this. Uh, so he made six trips between 1956 and 62. Um, his fastest recorded time. This is what's listed on Wikipedia uh, without crashing was. 190.07 miles per hour. 
Uh, and then it says his fastest time that was unofficial and undocumented was 205 miles per hour. Uh, unlike the 201 miles per hour uh, where he didn't crash, that was documented. Which doesn't make any sense to me, because surely that means that the 201 trumps this original figure of 190.07. So, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, but you know, math. <laughs> it's it's difficult. People are people writing this stuff make any sense. But, um... But that, 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 that figure still stands, you know, his 201 um, as a motorcycle under 1,000 cc uh, still stands. That is bloody quick, and that's been standing for a really long time. Yeah, um, my friend Nick, because uh, he's a big motorsport guy, I watched it with him last night, he, he was telling me how the current world speed record is like over the speed of sound, it's just over 750. Get out of town. I was wondering that um, <laughs> when I was watching it, like when they got to the Salt Flats and you're seeing all these like jet cars coming out. I was like, man, when is it going to be that they break the sound barrier on land? Well, they, right. have, they have been done. So, um, but apparently they're, they're currently building vehicles that are trying to go over 1,000 miles per hour. The speed of light? Miles per hour. No, but 1,000 miles per hour is 1, scary fast. <laughs> Oh my god, does anything go that fast? I don't know, it's just like, that's cr- craziness. I don't understand how anything can be... It's hard for my mind to comprehend what that would be like. So, good Godspeed to all those people doing that. <laughs> Amazing. That's what that is, Godspeed. Godspeed. Jeez. Yeah. Um, and there was one moment... I feel like it'd, it'd be the end of 2001. <laughs> yeah, 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 A thousand yeah. miles an hour. I'm seeing all of my past lives. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. I'm seeing through the veil of time. Because, because, because I, I, you know, hit I, the brakes. I can't even comprehend the idea of 200 miles per hour on a motorbike. Imagine being that close to the ground, going 200 miles per hour. That is, <laughs> that's like over 300 k's an hour. It's frightening. I just, yeah. Anyway, so um, at one point... My top f- speed here at the moment is 30 miles an hour, so, you know... <laughs> is, that, is that the Cayman Islands speed? That's the, well, that's the typical top speed. <laughs> of- There's a couple of places where you can go 50, but... <laughs> Woo! Awesome. What is that? What is that in kilometres per hour? What's that? 50? Oh, I think 30 miles an hour is about you know, 50. Right, right, 50 right. 50 k's. Well, that's good. Um, so there's, there's a point where um, Bert's, during his one of the many little tiny low points uh, where his, his, his vehicle is wobbling and he needs to do some fixing in order to make it not wobble at um, a high speed. It's 150 mm. kilometers an hour, 150 miles an hour. Um, so uh, when he figures it out, he's in this diner with uh, the guy Jim Moffat, who uh, was he played by um, Chris Lawford. All my friends who were watching it last night called him Teetham McTeetherson because um, he has... He's got, he's got quite prominent... <laughs> Yeah, quite prominent white. They're a feature. White. They're a feature. (laughs) White gleaming teeth. Um, Yeah. But he's explaining to him and the two girls that are there um, about like his wobble and the scientific speed wobble analysis behind it and what he's going to do by poking holes in the cigars of of, uh, Roby Free. But but there's one point where Jim Moffat, who is one of who's like you know uh, Bert Monroe's advocate at this the Bonneville Salt Flats, uh, where he goes, I don't get it. (laughs) It's just like. Bert has to explain it to him using his cigar and toothpicks. I mean, I'm not trying to be sexist or anything, but why could it one of the ladies who were, you know, presented as not just being fan ladies and not being race car drivers, why couldn't one of them have asked that question? I mean, surely Jim Moffat knows about aerodynamics and science being a race Ma- car guy. Maybe he didn't understand um, Bert's folksy way of explaining it. No, that, that was... No, he didn't, ex- well, and s- he didn't explain so it until another, he asked that question. Another... another 
point to that is that he decides he needs to do something to fix the speed wobbles does it. and then does it and tries it out um, and is pulled over by the cops because he just does it on the open road and the cop just basically says whoa you don't don't do that again <laughs> alright cheerio good luck well, he, ex- um, he explains and, so, and then yeah. <laughs> on the way back Anthony Hawkins says, well, no, that didn't work anyway. I'll just sort it out myself. I'm like, well, what the fuck was the point of all of that? Yeah, yeah. Just to give us that one moment. Well, I, I'd have to read, you'd have to read more into the history. I suspect it really happened. It probably happened. And that's why it's in the film. And it's just like so? a funny little aside. You can't ask <sighs> the word so. Then we would we would have to throw this entire movie away. There's no there's no low point. There's no conflict. You know, this, the movie is just built on Another, funny anecdotes. No. Yeah, another bit where he's being charming. Yeah. yeah, and you know it's fine and it works. Yeah, so you, just, and it doesn't, you just criticize yeah. it, and you're like, "Yeah, it's fine." It's fine. <laughs> this movie is like and some so, weird magical alchemy over us. <laughs> well, I guess actually yeah. the the good thing about that bit is, by the time we've got to that in the movie, the cops pulled him over, um, <laughs> and his his two mates, Rolly and Walton. I'm like, oh, cops got him. Shoot, how's he gonna get out of this one? We as the audience already know. Ah, You'll be fine. No worries. <laughs> You'll be fine. You'll be fine. She'll be right. Yes, it's true. It, it does. <laughs> it's the same. It's, it's, it's the same. The, point the over film and over is again. almost the the perfect summation of the Kiwi phrase. She'll be right. She'll be right. Yeah. She'll be right. Yeah, I'm. I'm uh, I've got a. I've got a quote here from Costa Bodies writing a review, and he said, um. Adonis's script is spare and engaging, and I would agree with that. Uh, his filmmaking is completely confident without a hint of showing off, and I agree with that too. Mm-hmm. And I think that's embodied in the performance of Hopkins, who's like, who's just like, yep. Like, he's like completely confident in his ability to carry it off, and everyone around him is constantly doubting him. <laughs> like, oh, you can't yep. do it. You can't do it. And he's all like, no, I'm doing it. Of course I will. Why wouldn't I be able to do it? Don't be, don't be a flaming galah. That's Australian. But. It did. That is Australian. He, it did have, it did have the definite chance of losing me with the number, the number of uh, salt of the earth phrases that Anthony Hopkins. <laughs> can, <laughs> like, a man is like a braid of grass. It's just like, oh no, there's another one. Uh, but, oh yeah, there was definitely one point where I was like, he's pretty much just about he's gonna he's about to say life is like a box of chocolate chocolates. <laughs> yeah, and and I and I was kind of like watching like ah, oh, but but it still charmed me in the end. And then uh, this morning I actually rewatched uh, Offerings of the Gods of Speed, uh, and it's all him. Bert just That's he's just saying all that just shit. Just how he is. All of those things that are in the movie are not written by Roger Tolleson being wax- <laughs> waxing politically lyrical. It's him. He's just like. Those are all the things he says. Even like when you're dead, you're dead. <laughs> so it's like that's that's a it's like Oh wow. So yeah, so it's it's I guess very much um this film is not uh like a quest sort of film. Um which you would kind of expect from that narrative. Someone wants to get somewhere and they have to overcome obstacles to get there. Yeah. Or to prove something or whatever. It's very much just a portrait of this man yeah 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 uh, and i think that's probably that's probably it like i think that mm. if you talk to Roger, he'd be the... like oh i just i just took things from my doco and my interviews and just put them in the movie like without thinking too much of the arc and narrative there's, there's a there's, yeah, a, there's I a think yeah that that makes um that sort of puts the film in a different focus it's just about it's just 
a portrait of this person rather than this person trying to get somewhere to prove something or to do something or get something or whatever yeah i mean i think yeah i think the idea of an quest to overcome obstacles is is there in the very broadest of strokes in the fact yeah. that he's an old man i think it's all about uh an old man trying to overcome uh the view that people have of him the fact that he's an old man like you know it's you see it all the time where uh, the little boys are like no one thinks you can do it and the antarctic angel well, no, and the antarctic angels are all like oh, screw you we're going to challenge you to a race on the beach because we're a bunch of dicks uh and but also then, here's some beer money for when you Get over to the stage. Yeah, that's later on. But I'm just saying, there's like there's like little strokes of. Hey, love you. Thanks, bye. Where every, everyone in America thinks he's like this crazy old coot. What's he doing? And then and then they're all like, oh, we'll let him race. It's it's a bit of fun. We'll let him race. And then he <laughs> yeah, then he like, oh, he's this crazy old coot who's kind of charming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But then he proves them wrong by being not only is he like a, a charming old fella, he's actually good at what he's he makes good in his he's promises. The best. Yeah, so so I think I think Still that's the, the thematic through point is, don't judge an old book by its cover <laughs> like that. it's sort of like a book what's a book yeah yeah so uh there is one last thing um and uh i think it's funny i didn't think of this you made the point of i wonder what i wonder what um young angry roger Nelson would have made of his film back in the 80s um and i think it might have been this because he it's it's left out of the film completely Probably, actually yeah this is left out of the film completely, and it's it's interesting because you know he he did have a wife and he had kids who were in the documentary. And he was divorced in 1951. I think he did live in a shed by himself, so that that element is only slightly touched on. Where he talks about his girlfriend uh, when his that little kid from next door is looking through his photo album. Um, so there's obviously some sort oh. of a, a sort of lonely turmoil inside this man that. Uh, you know, I, I I say oh it would have been interesting to see that, but it would have made the film something completely different and um yeah that could have possibly been a man driven away from his family by his obsession sort of film or yeah yeah something different which i guess he sort of he sort of um explored in um sleeping dogs i mean smash palace so maybe that wasn't so interesting uh, it does make me wonder like you know he's come away from hollywood with the hollywood ideal so he's thinking about things in a way that would resonate with an audience as opposed to what would make people think in an audience. But th- those are all those are all stupid criticisms, really, when the film is so good and you're having a good time. So yeah, it's nice. Uh, it's good. It's fine. <laughs> I think I think I'm running out of things to talk about. I think that's that's it. It was a fun film that I liked. Uh, oh, Hopkins is all like this is the easiest one of the easiest roles I've ever had to play. Uh, Bert Monroe's views of life are very similar to my own. <laughs> so. Oh good. So, oh, um, one one final thing. I guess I watched it with uh, my girlfriend, and she took a little bit of exception to uh, watching Sir Anthony Hopkins whittle on a lemon tree. Um, <laughs> did she? Didn't need to say that. <laughs> did did she take? He's got a wee somewhere. Did he take issue with the fact that he has a girlfriend in Invercargill yet sleeps with Diane Ladd? Um, she, I think she was more like, oh, damn it. The, the, when, when the lady shows up at the door, first thing she says is like, "Oh damn it, he's gonna have sex with her. <laughs> She's gonna have sex with him." Well, yeah. <laughs> Why, damn it? It's just like, <laughs> damn it. Well, and also that's that was a very weird interlude. It was like, she comes out and she's like, "Yeah, I'll give you a spare tire thingy, but I've got to show you something first. And <laughs> she takes him husband. to her husband's grave. <laughs> she basically is like. 
that's my husband. He is dead. He has been dead a long time. I miss him. I miss the cock. Cock. Give me your cock. Let's have sex. I think it's the weirdest pickup. <laughs> no, I think it's. I think it's just her giving him like it would be okay. Like, and because they're old, that's they're, You don't need to take him there. <laughs> that was a say. Like, oh trip. yeah, my husband passed on some time ago. It's just. Well, we, Let's go have a picnic by my husband's graveside. I mean, I, I'd said it before. I was wondering what you thought of this. When I saw it the second time around, I was going, oh, yeah, she says, because he's fixing the axle once he's broken down with her spare cars. And then she says, oh, when you finish with that, there's something I want to show. And he's like, what's that? And she's like, never you mind. And, you know, the first time I saw it, I was like, oh, that's funny. She wants to show him herself because she wants him. Her boobs. Yeah. Uh, but then the next shot is like, here's the grave. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very weird. It's good, and a, and a rattlesnake and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, um, yeah it was interesting because I because we were sort of like we, we were we were all like, oh, that's terrible. He's got a girlfriend home, but then we we're like, ah, oh, it's all right. He's old. He might die tomorrow, so you yeah. should get what he can get while he can. Yeah. <laughs> what happens on the way to Bonneville stays on the way to Bonneville. I mean, he might die on the motorbike. <laughs> yeah, he's going to be going two hundred miles an hour. So yeah. Okay, cool. That was interesting. So, so d- no exceptions to that. Uh, be interesting if anyone wants to talk to us in the for- on the forums in the Twitter about what they thought uh, about that. On the Twitter, uh, because we have um, an interzative film Twitter handle now. Yeah, this will be going to uh, to air a long time from now. But just the other day, I made a at nto. What is it? Ntzof, uh, which is our Twitter handle. Oh God, I actually don't know. <laughs> It's NTZ, It's uh, the Interzeta film. So I've. It's called NTZOF, Interzeta film. It's the initials right. of our podcast. Same as SoundCloud. Why didn't you just do N2Z? There was taken by some guy called uh, what? Nontos or something. Some guy with a Spanish oh, name. Oh, screw you, dude. <laughs> Nontos. Uh, that's probably not how you say it. So we're offending people by pronouncing his name incorrectly. Well, screw the guy who has our Twitter handle. <laughs> that would have been so good <laughs> yeah. for. <sighs> okay, cool. Uh, I think no. I'm. I think I'm good for. Uh, yes, yeah, it's for uh, it's yeah, it's a very good film to put on, and just have going. Uh, Roger Ebert, who I've uh, I often agree with, but sometimes I think his ratings are too high. He's given this one three stars. His are out of four. I'm going to give this a three out of five. Well, three and a half. Three and a half out of five. Yeah, three. <laughs> if we're giving stars now, we've started doing that. <laughs> Six episodes in. Well, we've been doing it for a while. It's fine. Have we? They, no, we they don't mean anything. <laughs> it doesn't no. mean anything at all. Who the fuck knows what the stars mean? <laughs> no one knows. People, was, at some point, someone decided that I'll was how rate you it fresh them. and give it a thumb and a half up, um, a twig in the bush, <laughs> and um, three blocks of cheese out of a possible six. Um, I'd also like to make mention before we, before we wrap up that Roger Donaldson is currently making a new film, a documentary about McLaren, about a Formula One driver, um, um, Bruce McLaren, uh, which I'm pretty excited about. It's called a documentary, but they've also cast uh, New Zealand actor Dwayne Cameron, who you may remember from The Tribe, in which uh, our co- my co-host Andy James was an actor. And, uh, uh, <laughs> yep. <laughs> Yeah, the the tribe, uh, children's television show from the nineties, um, as uh, as Bruce McLaren. So it's obviously going to have some sort of uh, dramatic recreations uh, within the film. I think they're going to recreate the crash 
in which he died. So uh, that's pretty exciting. Spoilers. Um, hopefully, <laughs> spoilers. Bruce McLaren is dead. Spoilers for the film. Um, I would very much like to watch that because I imagine that will have lots of uh, footage of cars going very fast, which is exciting. So Yeah, there's sort of almost been a bit of a renaissance um, or a resurgence or whatever with um, motorsport documentaries. You had the um, Senna? Senna one. Uh, there was the TT. Oh, yeah, the, the Isle of Man motocross thing. Yeah. That one, and there was another one as well. Oh, that was Rush. That was in film, though. Oh, Rush, actually. Uh, but it was really good. It's not this film, but that that's a Ron Howard film that I actually thought was quite exciting. So, well done, Ron yep. Howard, uh, for a while, after a while. So, yeah. Okay, cool. So, we're positive with the film. We're looking for the Bruce, uh, Roger Dolce Dix film. This is the third Roger Dolce film we've discussed in this Podcast, so, so from here on out, no more Roger Johnson. <laughs> I, I would say all Roger Johnson films. Um, all that. Uh, so we all Roger all the time. So um, you can then find us, I guess, on our new Twitter handle. Handle that was very cool. It's very cool. At ntzof. Ntzof. Uh Also, by the time this goes up, we should have a Patreon page up. That's right. We're we're. Which we would very much like, um, if you can, to subscribe to the podcast. Um, just kind of will help us defray some costs yeah. uh, that are involved because, well, we don't, we don't make any money from this. Yeah, this is a completely free thing. The podcast will always be free. You'll be able to listen to it for free. We're not no ads. Yet. No ads. Um, so yeah, Patreon. It, We're not going to try and sell you a mattress <laughs> or website hosting. Ma- mattresses or... seem very popular for a podcast. Yeah. Um, if, um, if, if you feel the need to uh, help us out, we would appreciate it. That's cool. Uh, you can find me uh, on the Twitter at R A J E E V F I L L F I L M Rajiv Film. And you can find me on the Twitter, which you probably already have if you're listening to this, at Andy James Inc. Andy James underscore Inc with a K. Okay, cool. Until, uh, until yeah. next time, we're, we're we're this is episode six. We got a we got like three or four more to go. Catch you soon. Excellent. Uh, you're ending on excellent. Okay. Yep. <laughs> okay, good. That's good. <laughs>